I want to preach to you this morning for a few minutes on the suffering saint. The suffering saint. And some of you may be uh, going through some things uh, in the Christian life. There's a reason for that. And there's, uh, there's a method behind the madness, as they say. And God lays it out in the Scriptures. And uh, with God's help, I'd like to show you that this morning and preach to you and try to help you to maybe understand. You know, when you're going through something, the, the question a lot of people will ask, and rightly so sometimes, is, is why? Because you want understanding in it. And if you have understanding, it helps you to endure. It helps you to go through some things. And, and comprehend it. And that's what we really desire sometimes as Christian is, uh, Christians is to understand the, why the Lord is doing some things. And it's okay to ask why when it comes to understanding the Word of God and, uh, and to dig into the Scriptures to get answers. Amen. Uh, by the way, that is the answer book. Amen. The Bible says He gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And uh, some of you this morning, you're going through it or you've been through it and you're, you're, you need some answers from the Lord. So God willing, that will maybe help you this morning. Uh, if you find your place there, let's all stand together quickly and stretch our legs one last time as we uh, honor the reading of the Word of God. 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4 in uh, verse number 12. The Bible says... 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12, it says, <clears throat> Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, we may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part He is evil spoken of, but on your part He is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, who, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. Brother Lewis, would you pray for our, the message this morning? Now put a bookmark there or uh, a page holder there in 1 Peter and let's go to Romans chapter 16 and verse 2. Uh, Romans chapter 16 and verse 2. The title today is called The Suffering Saint. And uh, if you're not familiar with what that, what that means, uh, the interchangeable with the Christian uh, can be uh, the saint uh, there. And we're not talking about some statue up on a pedestal somewhere. We're talking about the, the saints of God, the ones that are saved. If you're saved, the Bible says you are a saint. So who, me? Yeah, you. Amen. Uh, by the way, you're looking at a living saint right up here. Amen. 
Um, and uh, now I don't always behave as a saint, and neither do you, and that's why we're admonished from the Bible to behave as a saint. And even when it comes to suffering, God gives us um, instruction as a saint how to suffer how to suffer as a saint. In Romans chapter 16, uh, some people suffer, and when they do, they don't suffer as a saint. They don't suffer the right way. And the Bible says here in Romans chapter 16 and verse 2, it says that you receive her in the Lord as what? Becometh saints. So the Bible admonishes us and tells us how to behave as a saint. Uh, in, your, uh, in your life as a Christian and as a saint, you're supposed to behave in a certain way, and then God gives us that instruction. Uh, you got Romans there, look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, again we see it. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 3. Ephesians 5 and verse 3, the Bible says, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. As becometh saints. And so the Scripture tells us, and the Bible tells us, that um, there is a way that we, uh, and by the way, everyone in here, um, if you haven't suffered, you may suffer, uh, just wait. Uh, it, may, it, it may not have arrived yet, but it's coming. And uh, I say most of the children here uh, probably haven't experienced, understood, and gone through that kind of suffering. But as you, as you live any amount of time in this world, especially when you get saved, you start to understand and comprehend that this world uh, is um, a place of suffering. It's a place of sorrow. Uh, the Bible says that when Adam sinned, death passed upon all men, sin entered into the world, and thus suffering began. Um, and so we as Christians, uh, you're lost, you went through suffering, you get saved, there's still suffering, there's still things. And each, I say each, but there's people in here that are in different stages of suffering. Some have just begun, some are on the other side of it and looking back still recovering from it. And, and each, each and every one of us have been acquainted with some kind of sorrow, some kind of suffering. And the Bible tells us about that and how we can deal with it, how we can see it. And so here in the book of Peter, if you'll go back there to Peter, Peter deals with the Christian uh, with suffering. But as we suffer as a saint, we're supposed to do it the right way. And so in the passage that we read, there's reasons for suffering. And then not only reasons, but there's our response. Uh, you know, the world suffers, but the way they respond is not the way a Christian responds. Uh, you know, you, you get the world and the, the Bible says the sorrow or the suffering, the sorrow of this world worketh, some of you know, death. So they go through something, they go through something hard and you say, what does the world do? The world turns to suicide. As a Christian, you're not supposed to do that. Uh, they, times get hard and suffering comes and they, just, they, they, they look and say, the answer is in taking my life. And if they're lost, that's the beginning of sorrows. You say, what happens? Because they wake up in hell and they pass uh, not from death unto life, but from death unto death. And they go to hell. The Bible says that there's a second death. That first death is physical and they think that's the end. And you, you say, how do you know? I've talked to thousands of sinners and they say, well, when you die, you're dead like a dog and you just go to the grave. No, you don't. Your body perishes from dust to dust, but the Bible says your soul is going to live forever somewhere. And what you decide to do with the Lord Jesus Christ makes all the difference. 
And, and they say, well, I'm, you know, when you're dead, you're dead. And they, they throw it off that way. But if you die without Christ, there's, there's, you say, what's hereafter? It's hell. And hell is not just separation. People say, oh, separation from God. No, it's not. Psalm 138, the Bible says that if I make my bed in hell, behold God, behold, thou art there. It's not. It may be separate from, separate from God's goodness and God's uh, blessings eternally, but it's not separation from God. And a lot of people teach that to, to soften the blow and to make it, oh, it's just, you know, then you got the Jehovah's Witness that come by. You ever had some of them uh, knock on your door? You say, what are they doing? They're trying to soften the blow. They say, oh, uh, hell and, and the way, but we don't believe in hell, but it's Gehenna. It's, and they change the wording around. And, and then they say, well, what it really means is you just burn up and then you're, you don't exist anymore. There's no sur- suffering. No, the Bible says the smoke of their torment goeth up forever and ever and ever. Amen. And, and there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. There's never, never a time and never an escape from that hell and from hell. There's no escape from it. Uh, there's no time. There's no... Uh, one of the things that really shook me up, I remember Dr. Ruckman drawing a, a painting of the, the sinner in hell, and he's got a clock up there, uh, sort of hung up there, and it's got no hands on the clock. Whew. No tick, tick, tick. It's forever and ever and ever. It's a, it's, a, it's a wild thing to think about. But that's the, the suffering of the, the, the lost and going to hell. But these things that, um, that we are looking at today, you say, that's what the world does. The world answers suffering um, by, by cutting themselves, by throwing themselves off a bridge. That's not the answer for a Christian. That's not why, why suffering, uh, uh, you're allowed to go through and have suffering. And so we're supposed to know the reasons for suffering and our responses. And if you can understand that and get your head around it, uh, you can embrace it instead of running for it, running from it. And so first we're going to talk about the reasons, just to take a few minutes for the reasons for suffering. Uh, look at 1 Peter 4 and verse 12 and verse 13. The Bible says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial. Uh, first, I, I notice that, it's, that, it, that, that you should take it as a common thing. It's not strange. You know, when something happens, you say, wow, that's like one in a million. Uh, that's the lightning striking. That's, that's strange. And you've, you've made that statement. Wow, that's really strange. No, the opposite of that is something that's common. That's to be expected. Uh, amen. So if you're going through suffering this morning, don't think it's strange. Like, oh, wow. Uh, and people get this idea and this mindset. Woe is me. I'm the only one going through this. And uh, nobody else has to suffer like this and go through this. No. There's people that have been there before, right where you're at. They're going through it. And there'll be people after you that'll go through it. Think it not strange. It's a common thing. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But, here's an opposite, rejoice. Wow. Rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy." So you say, why do you suffer? The Bible says there that uh, in verse 12, think it not strange concerning the what? The fiery trial. The fiery trial. This fiery trial could be a, a literal thing that you see. You say, where did that happen? That's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there in Daniel chapter 3, the Bible says that they were facing through persecution of the state, of the king, uh, even through the laws of the land, they were facing uh, that persecution, that suffering. And, and you say, uh, what did they do? They faced it valiantly. They faced it and really, in a sense, rejoiced in the fact that they were counted worthy to, to be in that position. A lot of times what happens when the fiery trial comes is people, uh, especially Christians, you know what you're guilty of and what I've been guilty of many times? I pray, God, take this away. Take this away. Uh, take this hardship out of my life. Take this person out of my life. Take this um, uh, thing that's going on. I don't want to suffer like this anymore. Take me out of this life. And we're looking for the exit and we're looking for an escape. But you know what you don't find in the Bible? When I search the scriptures and I see about Moses there, Moses didn't ask to, be, uh, to escape. Uh, when he faced that, that rod that turned into a serpent... The Bible says that God instructed him, and when he faced it and he grabbed it by the tail, it became a rod again. He faced his fears. He went up against it, and he picked it, picked it up. Daniel didn't pray for God to take the lions away. You've, show me that in the Bible. He went in with his head held high, trusting in God, and the king was more afraid than Daniel. And he said... O oh, Daniel, is the God whom thou servest able to deliver thee? And he waited for a long pause. He waited on the other side of the door of the lion's den. And Daniel said, God is able, O oh king, amen, to deliver. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't say, deliver us, Lord, from this. They said, the Lord is able to deliver us, but if he doesn't, that's okay. And they went right into the fire. And the Bible says, Old Nebuchadnezzar got to looking around in there, and there was a fourth man likened to the Son of God. Jesus showed up in the midst of the fiery trial. And He will, amen, show up. But you know what? They wouldn't have ever got to... I wonder what conversation they were having in the midst of that burning, fiery furnace with Jesus. Boy, it sure is hot today as they fanned themselves. I don't know what they were talking about in there. Man, what a thing to, to... But they wouldn't have got that fellowship with the Lord unless they got in the fire. They didn't ask the Lord to take it away. So many times we pray and say, God, take away the persecution. Take away the trial. Take away these things. But the Bible tells us in the book of Malachi that that fire is for a reason. You read the book of Malachi and the Bible tells us it's a refiner's fire. That fiery trial that you go through is a refiner's fire... And you, you, you say, you imagine those old blacksmiths, if you will, and they stoke that fire so hot that it'll, that it'll melt the silver, that'll melt the gold, and especially the silversmith. The silversmith will put the, gold, the, the silver in there and get it to a, roll, a rolling boil, and then to the top comes all the imp impurities, which is called the dross. There might be straw in there, there might be dirt, there might be different alloys, different metals. But what happens when it's silver is it comes to the top. And that silversmith, what he'll do is he'll look in there and he'll, he'll scrape off all the dross and put it to the side. And then he'll scrape again and let it boil some more and he'll scrape again until he looks at it and it looks like a mirror and he sees his own reflection. You know what the Lord Jesus Christ does? He sends the refiner's fire. 
He sends the refiner's fire and he turns up the heat. And it feels like you'll never get out of this fiery trial. And you're going through it and it's hard and it's difficult. God's in there with you. And he's got a purpose in the suffering. And that fiery trial's going. And when he looks down, he sees his own reflection. You say, what does he want? He wants you to look more like him. He wants to look at you and say, I, I see myself in them. The Bible says we're, we're supposed to be in Jesus Christ in His image. Amen. Every day that you grow in Jesus Christ, you want to look a little more like Him to where people call you a Christian because they re you remind them of Jesus Christ. But that dross, that rolling fire and that trial, boy, that doesn't feel good to go through it. It's not, it's not an easy thing to go through and endure that. Amen. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went through it. And uh, it could be, uh, look, look at Hebrews, you're in Peter, hold your place in Peter. We'll go back there, two books to your left, to Hebrews chapter number uh, 11. Hebrews chapter 11. It may be this kind of trial, and this kind of fire that you go through. Verse 32, this is talking about the heroes of the faith and some of the martyrs that uh, was during the, the times here in the Word of God. In verse 32, and what shall I say more say? Verse 32, Hebrews eleven thirty-two, For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions. There's Daniel. Quenched the violence of what? Fire. Escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. Waxed valiant in fight. Turned to, fl to flight. The, to fight the... Was that flight? Flight the armies of the uh, aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and of scourging, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder for their faith, they were cut in half, amen, they were tempted they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Here's what God's commentary is, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. So what did God do? God accepted what they went through. And God said, of whom the world was not worthy. You say, what does that mean? God's watching when you go through the trials of this life. And you go through and you're suffering these things and suffering the fiery trial. Martyrs here that we read about and we see... <clears throat> Um, the martyrs uh, go through it in the church age have been burned at the stake. You read about it and you, you've uh, uh, and seen those things pictured. When we endure the trials of this life as a Christian, the Bible says there in 1 Peter chapter 4, back over there, in verse 13, it says that we become partakers 
of Jesus Christ's sufferings. Partakers. Sometimes the trial that we have uh, helps us to understand our Lord a little better. You say, what do you mean? Some of you right now are going through a trial and through suffering because somebody's speaking something about you behind your back. They're lying about you. They're, they're, they're misrepresenting you. They're telling others that you said something that you didn't say. And everyone's turning against you, if you will. And it's not even true. Do you know what Jesus Christ suffered on the cross? They cried out. They pointed at Him. They jeered. And they sneered. And they mocked. And they said, He saved others, but Himself He cannot save. If thou be the Son of God, come down from that cross. He said this and He said that. And they cried out, crucify Him. Boy, you're talking about a hard thing. You say, what did Jesus ever do to all those ones crying out? He healed their dead. He healed the sick that they had and brought out to Him in droves. The same people that He healed their sick. He raised some of those people that were crying out. He raised their dead. He helped them and ministered to them. And the Bible said He went about doing that which is good. And you say, what happened? Crucify Him! That's what they cried out. So you know what it's like sometimes? You, you don't understand that really. But when you go through suffering, and I'm not saying that you understand it like Christ understands it. The Bible didn't say that. It says partakers. You get a glimpse. You get a little touch. A, a pinprick, if you will, of understanding of what the Lord's going through. The Bible says you're partakers of Christ's suffering. And you want, you want something that will change you and get you more eternally minded? It's when you, you understand what Jesus Christ did for you. and what The Bible says He endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself. And we're to look at that, the Bible says, lest we be weary and faint in our minds in Hebrews chapter 12. We do those things and it's a, just a reminder, a touch of what Jesus Christ had to go through. And it'll make you a better Christian. It'll help you get to that understanding. You know, sometimes that fiery trial, look at, uh, hold your place in Peter, look at Proverbs chapter 17. Proverbs chapter 17. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 3. That fiery trial that comes... And that reason of the fiery trial, sometimes um, the trial is from the Lord. You say, well, some other man might have sent it or it might have happened in life. But yes, sometimes the fiery trial is of the Lord. Uh, look at Proverbs 17 and verse 3. The Bible says, Proverbs 17 and verse 3, The fining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold. You see, I gave you the illustration before of the refiner's fire and the silver, and the gold, and, and the silversmith. But you say, what do you have here? He's giving you that story. The finding pot is for silver, the furnace for gold, but the Lord. You say, what's your, what's your thing that He's going to try in you? The Lord trieth the hearts. The Lord tries your heart. And so sometimes the Lord brings things by, and, and the fiery trial. You see, we talk a big talk. I love the Lord Jesus. I'd die for Him. 
Really? You won't even turn off your favorite television show that's, that's promoting sodomy and fornication and adultery. You won't even turn that off. I just like it. I like to watch it. Well, I, I, can, I can handle uh, watching a little bit of sodomy and, and um, we've heard this show, The Modern Family. That's not The Modern Family. That's a perverted family. you got fornication, adultery, witchcraft, sodomy, all going on in there. Well, I just like it because it makes me laugh. Filthy. You won't even turn that off, and, but you're saying, I'll die for the Lord? Yeah, right. So you say, what happens? Sometimes suffering comes and the fiery trial comes. The Lord makes you look and stare into your own heart and show the places you're lacking. I love the Lord, and, and you've got to give up some things. You've got to put some things away. You say, I love the Lord, and I'll die for Him. You won't even live for Him on the simple things. We're not talking about life and death. We're talking about a filthy television show that you won't even give up for Jesus Christ. And you're going to give up your life? Don't kid me. And don't kid God. And sometimes you say, what does it take? It takes for you being tried and the fire being put at your feet sometimes to make you realize that you're not as big and mighty as your words make out to be. Yeah. And the Lord says, I'm going to try your heart. You say, what does he do? He comes to you on a Sunday and has an old preacher get up here that's long-winded and hit one of your favorite television shows to see what you're going to do about it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. And your heart goes, no, what is he talking about? I can handle it. I want to watch that. I want to see the the season finale. And Lord just tried your heart. And saw where you were. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Sometimes it's of the Lord. Sometimes it's of the devil. The fiery trial. Ephesians chapter 6. The Bible says in verse 16. Ephesians 6.16. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So who's that? That's the devil. Sometimes you're going through the fiery trial and the fiery trial is orchestrated by the devil. And you're going through something and, and you say, what's happening? The devil are, is firing those arrows. And you say, the only thing that can quench it is the shield of faith. It's to not let it in. It's to not be hit by it. And the Bible says we walk by faith and not by... It's sticking in. But sometimes you drop that shield of faith and you're no longer living by the Bible. You're no longer living by faith. You're no longer living by the Christian uh, life. You're living by the creeds and the desires of the flesh and of the world. And those fiery darts come in from Satan. And they stick right in there. And they they put the fire in there. And they come. You say, what's the reasons for suffering sometimes? The fiery darts of the wicked. Uh, keeping on going here for the sake of time. You say, what else? What's the reasons for suffering? Reproach for the name of Christ. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 14, back there. 1 Peter 4 and verse 14, the Bible says, If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part... He is glorified. The Bible says there, 
that uh, according to, uh, you got your place in Peter, look to your right to the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter number, uh, sorry, I say 1 John, just John. The book of John chapter 15 and verse 18. John 15 and verse 18. Hold your place there and Peter will be back there. John chapter 15 verse 18. John 15 and verse 18, you stand for Jesus Christ, it comes at a cost and at a price. The Bible says in, one, uh, in, in John chapter 15 verse 18, it says this, If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. You know why so many people in the world love you? Because you're just like them. You talk like them, you think like them, you behave like them. They love you. They love you at your work. They love you in your family. They love you, but for all the wrong reasons. You're not reproached for the name of Christ because they don't even know that you're a Christian. And, if a, and if, a, if a jury was put together and there was 12 of your peers, of your workmates, of your family, and if there was evidence presented, would there be enough evidence to, to convict you of being a Christian? You talk like them. You go to the same parties. You, you comment on the same uh, uh, wicked uh, um, things going on in the world. Uh, my wife told me she was reading the news or something, and I'm like, oh boy, of course, the week that I'm going down there. She said, she said the world's gone crazy over Taylor Swift. And by the way, I'm not going to Melbourne to see Taylor Swift, okay? Uh, but even Christians, you know what they do? They love her. They, they do. They love her. They love her music. And I guarantee you, there's somebody in here that loves her. She's a God-hater. Oh, but she mentions the name of Christ. A lot of people do. Her life doesn't reflect it. She is a foul-mouthed, God-hating, rebellious individual. And she does not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, see, some of you got offended just then. You don't like the truth, you're not going to like uh, coming to a Bible-believing church. We love the truth around here. And they put her up on a... And they're, they're, she's, they're my idol. There's airplanes full of people going down there and driving down there. Why? Because they want to see Tay-Tay. Yeah. And they put her up and put her to God's status. And your family sees that and they say, well, I like Taylor and she likes Taylor and, 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 and I like, I like, I'm a Swifty. Yeah. You need a Swift kick is what you need. God may give it to you. But she's not, she doesn't behave as a Christian. You listen to the lyrics of her songs? Filth. Pure, unadulterated filth. Good morning. Welcome to church this beautiful Lord's Day. You didn't think you were going to get, get that today, did you? And sometimes you need to know that as a Christian, you're supposed to be different. And when you take a stand and say, I don't like Taylor Swift. Um, the, the Bible says that you can, you can pray for her soul to be saved. But you like the things of this world and you love the things of this world and love the products of this world, meaning their music and what they put out about fornicating. You, you say, uh, I, I'm, I read enough news to know that every boyfriend she's ever had, you know, she's, they've done her wrong. Poor little sweetheart. She'll break up with this quarterback or a running back, whoever she's with now, and, and that'll be all over with next, and she'll write 20 songs about him. Make another gold or platinum record. She's always a victim. 
In everything you read about her, she's a victim in everything. Poor little Taylor. Yeah, I read enough to know. And, but I know this, she is not what God calls a Christian. She is not a believer in Jesus Christ. She names the name of Christ out of one side of her mouth and out of the other she talks about fornicating and filthiness and putrid. The Bible says, brethren, these things ought not so to be. And the only thing that some of you are going to hear is, oh, I can't believe the preacher preached on, my, on Taylor. And you go out of here and that's the only thing you'll hear. And it's about two minutes of the sermon. And uh, I, w- I shouldn't even have to say that it should be obvious. And some of you think that you escape because you listen to some other artist <laughs> instead of Taylor. He didn't hit my God. <laughs> Stick around long enough. Amen. But if you say that amongst your friends and family as a Christian, I don't listen to that. I don't like that. They will hate your guts. And some of you this morning, you got it inside of you hate my guts because I spoke up and said something about it. And you can't wait to get out of here now. Brother Robbie, sit still. No, I'm just kidding, brother. <laughs> I had to do it. Sorry, brother Robbie. Yeah. But some people, they hated Jesus Christ when he spoke the truth. They hated the Apostle Paul when he spoke the truth. And so that, that's no, no big shock and surprise. But the Bible says there in John chapter 15 and verse 18, If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. You know why the world loves Taylor? Because she's of their own. But because you are not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Amen. And remember, he says, that the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. They don't know God. They don't know the Lord. And so you get reproached. And right now some of you are suffering because you're being reproached for the name of Christ. You're being reproached. Um, somebody here in church the other day, I counseled with them and talked with them, and they lost their job because they stood up and they wouldn't do wrong when the, when the boss... And they didn't even mention necessarily the name of Christ, but because they're a Christian, because they're saved, they say, I'm not going to compromise my work ethic and do wrong at my job and cut corners. And so because they took that stand, they got let go. The world will hate you. They'll fire you from your job if you stand up and say, I'm not doing wrong to make you look right to, and to, to make this thing right. I'm going to do right. Amen. Amen. And uh, you'll be reproached for the name of Christ. And the Bible says as a Christian this, this happens. And you'll bear reproach for His name. Uh, back to 1 Peter chapter 4. You say reasons why we suffer. You're going to suffer as a Christian. Uh, look at um, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 16. If any man suffer as a what? As a Christian. Just for being a Christian, you're going to suffer uh, for, for being uh, a Christian. Just, just naming the name of Christ and wearing that title. Uh, you, you'll, it, it's caused me to lose work before. It's caused me to, to have somebody that was quote-unquote an acquaintance or a friend of mine. They found out that I was a Christian and that was it. Don't ever talk to me again. Don't ever come to my house. Don't ever see me. I don't want to know nothing about you anymore. 
I'm not talking about just regular friends. I'm talking about from the time we started um, uh, school in kindy up until the time that I was 15 years old. My whole, my whole life, these were my friends. We grew up together. And I told them I got saved, told them about the Lord Jesus Christ. And they nearly spit, cursed, and carried on. And never. some of them have never spoke to me since. And you say, why? Because I'm a Christian. But some people are not willing to suffer, so they never, they never behave as a Christian or speak up for Christ around their friends, their family, their workmates. And you know, when you do, it, it'll cost you something. It'll cause some suffering. And, uh, and you've got to do that sometimes. And, well, not sometimes, all the time. You stand for the Lord. And uh, you, uh, by the way, you don't have to be an overbearing donkey to name the name of Christ. You understand what I mean? Some people think, well, to, to live out being a Christian before others, I've got to be a raging uh, jerk to everybody at my workplace and be overbearing and call everybody sin out. and do. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about where people are in a conversation and, and kindly and with respect speaking the truth in love. Well, I just, I, are you going down to the concert? I want to go see this person and I want to go hear their music. And, I just, and you say, I, I'm a Christian and she doesn't, she doesn't uh, interest me at all because I'm a Christian. I'm saved. When I got saved, I put away the old things and they become new. I don't like talking about people fornicating. I don't like talking about people in grudge and, and holding uh, a grudge and the things she sings about. That doesn't appeal to me at all. You say that right there nicely, they'll still hate your guts. But they won't hate you because you're a jerk. Some people, some Christians, they hate because some Christians behave like a stinking jerk. Yeah, but I didn't say you had to do that. You can be a Christian gentleman and a Christian gentle lady. You don't have to be a, a, a raging uh, you know, fool uh, to, to turn people off of Christianity because you want to show how bold you are for the Lord. No, use wisdom, amen? glad that somebody came to you with some wisdom and spoke to you about Jesus Christ and let you know your need for Jesus Christ and made it possible for you to call on the name of the Lord and get saved? Because you say, what happens if, if you're... The Apostle Paul even talked about being a stumbling block to some people getting saved. And he said, if this, if this thing offends even my brother, he said, I won't eat meat while the world's standing. He said, I'm going to go the extra mile to win somebody to Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean you have to deny the truth, but that doesn't mean that you have to be an overbearing fool either. Amen? Now... Continuing on, you say, why do we suffer? Well, sometimes we suffer according to the will of God. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19. Wherefore, let them that suffer, why? According to the will of God. Uh, we're not to live, the Bible says, the rest of our time to the lust of the flesh, but to the will of God, committing the keeping of our souls unto Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator, doing right. You say, so what do we do? We mortify the deeds of the flesh. The flesh, the heart, the mind says, I want to do this, I want to do that. And you say, no. You say, no, we're not going that way. God is not pleased. God doesn't want that. The Bible's against that. You tell this to yourself. Yeah, I have conversations with myself on a regular basis. <laughs> Amen? And you say, you say what's maturity? It's, the, it's parenting yourself. 
You go to that fridge and you're starting to get out that, that third piece of cake. Or maybe it's on the bench top there. And you say, no. Right? Some of you don't know what I'm talking about and you need to parent yourself. Maturity is the responsible use of freedom. And it's where you have the freedom to eat a whole cake. But you know the consequences and you tell yourself, no, that's not right. It's the same way in the Christian life. The, the, the flesh, the, the body says, I want this. The heart says, I want to do this. I want to go this way. I want this career. I want this partner. I want to go this way, that way. And the Bible says, the Holy Spirit says, no. And you, you know what uh, parenting yourself looks like? You get in agreement with the Bible and with the Holy Spirit. And say, you know what? I'm not going that way because I know the heart is desperately wicked. Deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I'm not going to trust my feelings. I'm not going to trust what the, the news media says. I'm going to trust the living God. Amen. And so when you do right and you suffer, sometimes you suffer according to the will of God. It is God's will. Right now some of you are suffering and it's because it is, you are right in the center of God's will. Right where God wants you to be, and it's in the line of fire, it's your suffering. But God is pleased, and it's according to His will. And we're not to, um, to forsake the suffering and ask for the suffering to be taken away, because to do so would mean that you would be taken out of the will of God. And sometimes we've, been, we've even prayed to be taken out, and God says, No, I know better what you need than what you think you need, so I'm going to keep you right where you're at. Many times I've tried to escape the will of God and escape the suffering. But to have the, have the suffering is to have the will of God. Because God's trying to yield some fruit in your life. And you know as well as I do, on the other side of suffering comes the peaceable fruits of righteousness. And so it's to the suffering according to the will of God. Now here's how to respond to suffering. The first thing I already mentioned, I won't beat a dead horse, but the Bible says, think it not strange. Here's how to respond. Think it not strange. What is strange is not suffering. The Bible says, all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Uh, that's what's strange and what ought to be strange to a Christian. Um, the Bible says there in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 14, and I'm out of time, so I'm going to try to hurry up and finish here. It's, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Happy. You're going through some suffering and you're counting it, um, you're supposed to look at it as a joy, as an opportunity, and as a blessing. And you're supposed to turn your frown really upside down and realize and be happy because of it. The Bible says, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Why? Because the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. Some of the most fruitful, God-fearing, um, you know, best Christians I've ever met, been around, listened to, got counsel from, are those Christians that have been tenderized through suffering. And you want to read some, uh, some Christians that are on a different level. Get a hold of some biographies of Christians that have suffered for the name of Jesus Christ. Tortured for his faith. Harlan Popoff. Darlene Rose. You get some of these ones that have suffered. And you're talking about being tender and understanding some things that you don't currently understand. They'll give you something. They'll help you. They, and you say, what did they do in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the, the trouble? They were happy. It's a wild thing. 
One, uh, I think it was Harlan Poboff. He, he spent 11 years, 12 years, 13 years in prison. And one of the things he did was he couldn't give. He couldn't have a church service. And so what he did was every tenth bowl of soup and gruel, it was really gruely water uh, and a, a crusty moldy piece of bread that they would get on occasion. But what he would do is um, they would get that like once a day. So on the tenth day, he would give that bowl of soup because he wanted to tithe to the Lord. And he'd give it to the sickest inmate that was in there and give a crust of bread and said, God, that's him giving to the Lord. Some of you make $1,000 a week and you won't even give the Lord anything. In the midst of blessing, God blessing you and being with you, and you are stingy with the Lord. And here's, here's this dear brother in there saying, I, I, I'm in prison, but I can still give to God. And when he, when, when he was a pastor, and he wouldn't give up his congregants, and they would beat him and torture him, and he'd give wrong addresses, and he would send them on a wild goose chase so they couldn't find his people. And, and the, the, the things that he suffered. And so to have the, he said, God, you've called me to preach. So he, you say, what do we do? He'd preach to the walls. He would develop the sermons and he memorized the sermons and the notes and he would preach so he wouldn't lose his ability to preach when he got out. Unless the Lord called him home, but he, he did that in prison. We won't even serve the Lord on the outside. And you say, so what are you supposed to do? Be happy when the suffering comes. God's got a purpose. Uh, 1 Peter 4, 16, look at verse 16. The Bible says, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God. You say, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to glorify God. That's the reason of the suffering. You say, what's the reason? To be happy, not to be ashamed, or, or to glorify God, and to not be ashamed. Uh, there's two of them there, and I'm, uh, I meant to say that in verse 16. It says, let him not be ashamed. That's the first one. And then the second one is to glorify God, not to be ashamed. Don't be ashamed if you're going through some suffering for the Lord and you're suffering some things. And um, you say, what are you supposed to do with it? In the midst of it, glorify God. And um, in, in closing, I say this, 1 Peter 4, 19. You're supposed to continue in well-doing. Uh, some people suffer and they shut down. They shut down. And that's a wrong thing to do. The Bible says in verse 19, Wherefore let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in what? Well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. That term ought to come up in your mind. Uh, the Bible says, Let us not be weary in well-doing. Some people suffer and I've been guilty of this, okay? I can tell you this. When the suffering comes, you know what you want to do? You want to shut down and go into a shell. You want to get away from everybody. You want to just quit and give up. Lord, I quit. I'm, I, I've done everything. I've tried to do right. and I, I'm, I've done this. I've been faithful. And here I am suffering and I shouldn't be. And so I'm giving up. No, the Bible says, let us not be weary in well-doing. So you say, what, what's the message preacher is this? In the suffering... And for the reason, keep going. Some of you have laid your sword down in the dirt. Some of you have hanged your harp upon the willow and you stopped going. You stopped preaching. You stopped passing out tracts. You stopped attending church faithfully. You stopped trying to be a blessing to others and you started to look inward and you started to shut down. The Bible says it's the wrong thing to do in suffering. It's supposed to be faithful in well-doing. 
faithful. Jesus, and I'll say this in closing, to you that are here that are lost, that's never been saved, that's never trusted Christ, Jesus Christ suffered for you on the cross. And He suffered even unto the death of the cross and to hell for your sins so that you don't have to go. He was the substitution. He was our propitiation. He was your propitiation so that you don't have to suffer and go to hell. And I say to you, in the name of Jesus Christ, get saved. Trust Him today so your sins can be forgiven, so that you can go to heaven when you die, and you can have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, let's pray right there and we'll be dismissed.